Money FM 89.3, the best of prime time. It's all about real estate, and when it comes to the real estate market today, technology certainly helps, and I'm sure you would agree. Haven't you consulted databases online from these prop tech companies that have helped you make better investment decisions? Making data more accessible, that's what it's all about. And it's also about revolutionizing the real estate market in terms of how they operate. Observers say... Property tech can be another lucrative opportunity for investors looking outside traditional markets. All the new tech for managing real estate construction, purchase and investment fall under this category. And in fact, property tech has reached almost 21 billion US dollars last year. That's what it is worth, according to data from Crunchbase. Ashley Osborne joins us now. He's CEO and co-founder of Duval Global and they are in the business. So let's talk about how all of this can help you make better investment decisions. Thanks for joining us, Ashley. Hi, Dorothy. Thank you very much. Good evening. Now, of course, all of this is designed to enable investors to make more informed choices. And in that regard, I know that CBRE reported earlier this year that Singapore investors are among the most active overseas property investors in the region. What are Singaporean investors looking for, really, at this time when it comes to foreign real estate and, of course, diversifying their portfolios? Yeah, that's right, Bharati. Singapore investors have been some of the most active in Asia in international markets. Traditionally, they've looked in places like Australia, the UK and other parts of Southeast Asia. And what we've generally seen is Singapore investors have looked for investments which create enough income to service their running costs, but really to create long-term capital appreciation, which they can then use to build a portfolio that creates long-term income. When we talk about long-term income, it's not just about capital appreciation. It's also about rental yields, right? Correct. It's really about rental yield, but not just rental yield. It's about what income you're generating after you pay all of the taxes. And that up till now has been a real problem for a lot of investors to try and determine how much do I actually get after I pay each of these different costs in these local economies. Mm. Okay, so which are the economies to look at at this point, really? We think that the UK market's really interesting at the moment. We think there's a big opportunity there. Likewise, places like Australia and also New Zealand, because we're seeing as those markets begin to slow down domestically, there is huge demand for international investors to come to those markets. And those investors are finding very receptive developers and really good opportunities for significant deals. Here's the thing, though. As property prices in Singapore continue to rise, a lot of people are saying, well, those in other markets are tapering off. But for the people in those markets, it feels quite different, doesn't it? For them, it does feel like their property prices are rising as well. It does. And I think as the Singaporean market heats up and investors look to go offshore, the reality is for the domestic market, there is a play where those investors are concerned about new people coming to the market. But the reality is, is international investors are required to create new development. That's just the fact of life. And, you know, developers need those investors, so do local economies. What are the persistent gaps in the market, though, that small property investors or retail investors face when making international purchases? I think all investors, particularly small ones, have had the same problem, which has really been access to information. And what we've seen is there's a two-tier market. You've got large institutional investors that have got all of this information and can make much, much 
better investment decisions, whereas the smaller investors, they've got access to really limited information and they're being asked to make very big investment decisions with essentially no information. And without the ability to see what a property is actually worth, to determine what the net return is after tax and actually compare investments, the reality is for most of those investors, they're actually purchasing blind. Give me an example of data that you provide that wouldn't necessarily be easily accessible to small investors. Give me a few more examples. The things that we provide that are really only available on our platform are two things. Actual transaction um, level, so people can see specifically what properties have sold for in a specific postcode or location. But the other thing is we've built very sophisticated but intuitive models where investors can actually see the specific net return after they pay taxes. And what they're able to do is actually compare multiple investments using our platform to see, well, actually, what does an investment in Australia look like relative to one in London? And up till now, that has never been possible. And how much would this set a person back if they wanted access to all that data? Or are you truly democratizing real estate here? We are truly democratizing real estate. Obviously, that comes at a cost. We buy all of the data and aggregate it, and it's, we've spent a huge amount of money developing our platform. The platform costs 69 US dollars a month to access, or $625 a year. The equivalent data would set somebody back more than 30,000 US dollars to buy it by themselves. But the thing that's really interesting is we provide discounts through aggregation on our platform, which amount to about 60,000 US dollars on average on the price of purchasing a property. The thing is, Ashley, real estate markets are complex and they're typically governed by their own legal idiosyncrasies. So what are the limitations in the potential of any data-driven analysis? Well, there's always going to be limitations, and you're right. And the reality is, is there is always a time lag between the transaction actually occurs and when it's registered on on an exchange or a a land registration system. Uh, And that's never going to change. Technology will likely shorten that. But the reality is, is investors need to look at multiple things. So transaction data is one thing, but then the analysis tool to be able to see actually what's the reality of this investment. And that's what we built, because we think it's multiple data points that people have got to look at, not just one. Where does this leave traditional real estate broker models? I think there's always going to be a demand for a traditional broker model. I think where it's always suited is in a domestic market selling secondary product. So for, you know, for your average homeowner that wants to sell their house, the reality is, is a local estate agent probably beats any alternative. But the reality is, is when you're looking at complex investment decisions, when you're looking at offshore scenarios, and there's multiple jurisdictions to take into account. The reality is it's only really technology that can answer the multiple questions that investors really need to be asking. In terms of prop tech trends in the next few years, what are you envisioning? I think prop tech is a really interesting space at the moment. And what's really interesting about it is we've not seen big change in the real estate industry for years. In fact, it's always been an industry which lags other industries. We've seen huge changes with fintech and changes to the way that um, the industry works in the financial space. We think that's just about to happen in the real estate industry. And I think what's really exciting about that is what it will do is it will put customers at the center for the first time ever in these real estate transactions. And we think what it will do, it will make it cheaper, faster and more efficient for people to buy real estate investments around the world. Right. At the end of the day, though, while we talk about cheaper, 
we have to bear in mind that rising interest rates and volatile global real estate prices are very much on the minds of investors. So what do you foresee happening in the next year or so? Well, the reality is, is we've got too used to low interest rates over time. And the reason that most people buy real estate assets is really because of the inflation hedge that they provide. Because, yes, we have high infl- interest rates, but we also have very, very high inflation. And real estate really is a natural hedge to that inflation. So we expect that people will continue to buy real estate um, investments around the world. The reality is, though, that the world has changed and it's far more complex now. So people need to spend a lot more time analysing different opportunities to make sure they actually specifically meet the requirements they have. And in terms of looking at future needs, what do you expect investors might be asking for on a platform like yours? I think, you know, what a platform like ours has got to evolve to become is a one-stop shop where investors can come, they can know, they have confidence in the platform to understand that they're going to get all of the information and data that they need to make truly informed decisions, that they're going to, to save money ultimately when they purchase property, but then also that there's the tools to manage that investment over time. And those are certainly the things that we're looking at um, as our platform evolves. All right. Thank you very much for that, Ashley. Really appreciate your time today. CEO and co-founder of Duval Global, Ashley Osborne, joining us on Primetime. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.